to the Super Dad Show. Everyday dads becoming extraordinary for their families. Being a super dad is not about being perfect. It's about having a growth mindset and striving to become the very best version of ourselves for our family. Each week, we interview superhero guests about how they deal with the everyday pressures of being a dad, partner, provider, and man, and what strategies we can use to further develop our real-life skills and make massive growth. Subscribe now, listen in, and become an active part of our worldwide community of super dads. Now, without further ado, let's meet our guest for today. Today's episode is all about a dad's guide on how to tell a great story. Joined by Nick Bowditch, a father of four kids, a speaker and author. But the reason why we've got him on the Super Dad show today is because Nick is Australia's storytelling expert. Nick, thank you very much for joining us today on the Super Dad show. Very welcome. <laughs> All right, mate. So, listen. Let's um, let's get right into the nitty gritty of it for starters, and find out a little bit about you. How on earth did you get involved in teaching people about storytelling in the first place? Yeah. So, I come from a I come from a learning and development background, um, and also a marketing background. So, my my kind of corporate life was working in um, in marketing and, and a little bit in advertising. I have worked for a few years at Facebook where I ran small business and startup operations for Facebook in this part of the world in Asia Pacific. And after that, I also did a year working at Twitter where I did the same thing. So I sort of bring that experience from working with two very big online communication platforms and helping small businesses and startups and individuals um, tell their story better to a mass audience and, and the best and efficient and most efficient and cheapest way to do that. So that's kind of how that was born. And because really the bottom line of that is when you're using another platform to tell your story, but you know, radio or TV or even somebody else recounting your own story, you know, it's a lot better if you're a good storyteller and, and a lot of us especially in business, in small business, a lot of people in small business kind of suck at storytelling um, because we don't want to sound like we think we're ace or, or whatever and so we, we downplay our story a lot and I think um, that's to our detriment. So that's kind of where, that's where I come from um, and why I think it's important for us to tell a story better. Hmm. So are there people who are just naturally better at telling stories than others, and if someone does realise that they're not particularly great at telling stories, how can they improve that? Yeah, some people are better at telling stories. They're called kids. Um, <laughs> yeah. Kids are very, very good at telling stories. Most of my kids' stories just kind of go on for 45 minutes and don't go anywhere, and they're about their toes, and they don't really have an ending. But, but they're very good at engaging an audience and being able to express you know, what they want to say to an audience and, and they're very good at understanding when the audience isn't interested anymore, um, which, which adults struggle with a little bit. Um, I think in terms of adults, though, some people are better storytellers, but it's not like a, a cosmic gift in their genes. You know, I think we can all learn to be better at it. Um, and often it just takes a little bit of either one of two things, either a bit of structure 
or, you know, a bit of thinking about how you're going to tell a story, why you're telling the story, is it your story to tell, uh, when you're telling the story and to who or to whom. But it's also, you know, just being able to be authentic in your story. You know, a lot of us, I'm probably a bit of an oversharer, as I know you are too, Joe. So, you know, a lot of us are kind of a little bit reticent to tell the authentic, real story of ourselves. And I think that's where we become poor storytellers. You know, there's, everyone has, yeah. Everyone has eight or ten really cool, rad stories in them that, that are never going to be told by anybody else and it's up to them to tell people or they're going to die with them in them. And I just think it's pretty sad that in this day and age of connectivity and communication platforms for, you know, don't let don't die with the music in you. Mm. You know, I think that's a really good thing to live by and um, part of the way to get that music out of you is through good storytelling. Is that the main motivation behind you becoming an author? And what have you written your books about currently? Yeah, I, I um, so I did a bit of um, freelance writing, you know, in the corporate world as well. But mostly my own writing is about um, being able to tell my authentic story a little bit better and, and have people who are like me um, resonate with that story and not feel like they're on their own. Most of my stories that I write about my own life come from the fact that I live with um, depression and anxiety. I live with mental illness every day. Um, sometimes that depression um, is so bad I can't get out of bed for a day. Um, sometimes the anxiety is so bad that I have these you know, panic attacks and it's pretty shit uh, in really inappropriate places at inappropriate times. But um, you know, if I can talk about that, if I can talk about my PTSD, if I can talk about my addiction history, my trauma history, then it resonates with somebody to be able to make them feel like they're not alone. And and that's how I felt for a very, very long time. And so if I, you know, it's not all, it's not all altruistic. Like I don't want to help everyone else. I want to help me, you know, and, and by me telling my story authentically, Yes, it might help somebody else because they'll be able to resonate with that and tell their own story. But really, it's it's good therapy for me as well. So I think uh, when it comes to our group, Super Dads Online and the brand new app that uh, we've launched, I can see that there's some people who are very good at telling stories and they get a lot more engagement and interaction in there. And whether it's that the person who doesn't tell a great story doesn't want to put their full vulnerable self on the line and tell everything that's going on and they just want to vent and say, why the F is this happening to me? What I find is that even inside our group, you know, this support group, you're absolutely right. Like being able to tell a great story and be vulnerable is what I'm trying to bring out in people, what I try and share of myself, um, you know, for these guys that are really struggling to have the confidence to be vulnerable and share what's going on in their lives and tell that full story, what would you say to those guys? Well, first of all, I'd, I'd leave with a little bit of caution here, right? Because not everyone has to know everything yep. about um, So I, I, I don't necessarily believe that everybody needs to tell a completely 100% realistic uh, authentic 
brutal version of, of everything that's ever gone on to, for them in their life, for them to be, for them to recover or for them to heal and grow and, and resolve some of that trauma, um, which we all have. Everybody, everybody has some trauma from being a child. You can't, you can't escape childhood without, without that. But so that's my first thing is not everyone has to know everything. Um, but I would back that up though by saying, that only in my experience, and, and this is a really important part of the storytelling thing for me, actually, is I don't I don't deal in shoulds and musts. I, I try never to say those two words. Um, you know, I'm not a psychologist. I'm not, you know, someone's therapist or swami. I'm not an expert in mental illness, but I am an expert in my mental illness. You know, I'm not an expert in trauma, but I'm a fucking expert in my own trauma. Um, so I, I tend to reword a lot of things when, when telling my story. And this is maybe to answer your question, what can help people. I don't say, Oh, you know what you should do? You should tell your story more or you should go to therapy or you should write a book or you should, you should, uh, tell us all about everything that's ever happened to you. Um, and instead I kind of reword that a little bit and say, do you know what? If, if I was you, I would do this, or or in my experience, this is what I've done, um, or this is how I feel, and people can choose to either align with that or not. And if they choose not to align with that, that's okay, yeah. you know, because you haven't. I haven't been prescriptive or told someone what they have to do. I've just said, you know what, this is what this is what goes on for me. So, so to answer your question, I would say that is a really good way to start to be able to say. When, when I heard this story, I felt this. Um, when you said that, I thought this. This is the thought I'm having right now. Like try and take it as much back to your own, your own self and your own growth um, as opposed to being reflective of somebody else's because that's only going to bite you in the bum. If you're trying to be someone else and trying to you know, heal like someone else or trying to live like someone else, then that's, that's going to end in tears. Yeah, absolutely. Now, one of the big reasons I got in touch with you in the first place was I did some research into you because you are the keynote speaker at the Change the World workshop, conference, whatever it's called, um, in a few weeks' time in Brisbane. And I watched some of your YouTube video where you're actually talking about mental illness as a gift. And I think you even used the word superpower um, in there. Can you please explain that? Because I thought that message would really resonate with our listeners. Yeah, so this kind of started for me, this thought process started me for when, when I went to rehab. Um, mm. And, you know, you sit with a whole lot of other addicts in rehab and you just think about <laughs> your mistakes. And, uh, you know, a lot of people sort of reinforce those mistakes and those errors in judgment you've made over the years um, in the process of rehab and, and counselling. And I can remember thinking, you know, the amount of times someone says to you, Let's talk about your defects of character, right? That's the words that they use, defects of character. And so, you know, if you're a drug user, if you're a drug addict anyway, or if you, um, you know, if you're uh, a risk taker or if you uh, have obsessive thinking or if you, you know, these sort of symptoms, some people in the rehabilitation and addiction therapy world talk about those things as your defects, your things that make you no good, basically. And I, that didn't help me. That didn't work for me. And it was only until I started to think about those things instead of 
those things that I, that I can't actually change. They're, they're inherent things in my personality. I can work on them and I can improve them, but I can't just remove them. Um, so I've decided to think about those things as my superpowers. That's awesome. And, and they're the things that make me superhuman. And I am, I am superhuman because some of the shit that I have to live with every day that I didn't choose, right, through the PTSD especially, like that wasn't my choice. That was thrust on me. And I live with all those things. I'm a high-functioning, fairly, fairly high-functioning, um, <laughs> depending on the day, person. And, you know, for me to be able to do all those things, I'm fucking superhuman. You know, those things are my superpowers. And so, and when I think about those things as being superpowers, I'm not, I'm not embarrassed at all. I'm not shameful. There's no shame attached to them. It's just who makes, what makes me me. And if I wasn't mad, if I wasn't a little bit crazy like I am, if I didn't live with the mental illnesses that I do, I would be a different version of myself. Now, I don't know what that would be like because I, I don't. But I, I have to like and I have to love and I have to live with this version of me. And I'm going to have to live with that for another 50 years. So, you know, for me to do that, I need to, I need to instead of thinking of, of my mental illnesses as something that draws me back, something that makes me less than, I have to think of my mental illness as a gift to me. And, and it really has been a gift to me. You know, there's a lot of things like my obsessive thinking makes me really good at working with businesses and startups and, and people like that on their launch plans and on their marketing and, and stuff like that. I see things that other people don't see because they're big pitch people. I'm a little picture guy. You know, I'll obsess about the, the minutiae of the minutiae, you know, mm-hmm. like the tiny little granular shit that nobody else can see. And, and that's a gift. That's a gift that my mental illness has given me. Um, and I just find that I find, here's me reworking it back to me, right? But I find that when I think of my defects of character, I'm making little bunny ears for people uh, looking at the video. <laughs> yeah, um, you the, if I think of those defects of character as defects of character, they absolutely are. They absolutely will hold me back and they will be defects of my character forever. Mm-hmm. If I in turn think of those things as my superpowers, then I am fucking superhuman. Mm-hmm. And I would much rather be living as a superhuman than be living as a defective human. Yes. Yes. So uh, one of the things I've really been working on lately is catching myself talking down to myself, catching those things that I currently believe that are not useful. What other useful beliefs do you have? I, I, I'm on a bit of a bent on this at the moment, actually. And people say to me, oh, you know, I'm, I'm hopeless or I'm dumb or, well, I've mm. never, I'll never do anything, or, or you know, you know, people say that sort of stuff to you. Exactly what you just yeah. said. People say to them about themselves to you, to someone else. And I, I, for the last week or so, I've been on a real little crusade about it. And I've said to people, well, "That's not, that's just not true, is it? It's not true." And you know, someone will say, "Oh, you know, I'm I'm 25 and I've got nothing good in my life." And I'm like, "Well, that's not true." Is it? And they're like, oh, well, you know, I haven't got this. And I'm like, I said, but you said you haven't got anything good in your life. Like, what am I? I'm your friend. Like, what does that say about me, you know? Oh, yeah, well, here's you. And, oh, you've got a house. And, yeah, okay, I've got a house. And, yeah, you've got food in your belly. Oh, yeah, I've got food. You know, and you can, 
you can just diffuse that shit because that stuff is our is our core beliefs. Most of our core beliefs, as you just said, most of our core beliefs are lying to us. They're not true. Mm. It's just not true. Now, if one of your core beliefs is say say for instance, one of my core beliefs is, you know, I'm an addict, and that's actually played out to be true, right? So I am, but that doesn't mean that. It's a defect of my character. It doesn't mean that the core belief has to be a negative one. The core belief can be something that is that is true, but not holding you back. But but the, but the fact of the matter is, most of our core beliefs are just not true. You know, I am fat. I am ugly. I am weak minded. I am nothing. I am not worth it. I am invisible. I am unworthy. I am unlovable. All these things are not true. My two my two favorite ones, the two that I think about myself more than any other, is. I am unworthy and I am unlovable. And in my rational, sane moments, I know that that's not true. I know that I'm worthy of what I have because I've worked fucking hard for it. And I know that I'm lovable because I know that I know that look that my four kids give me is absolute love. That makes me lovable. So it just, I just think it's a matter of rerouting and diffusing every time you say something to yourself that's just not true. Absolutely. And um, look, one of the things I've got inside the Superdad app under the Your Mission section is to be the hero of your own story. Now, we're talking storytelling today. And one of the things I did a lot of research into before I wrote this was the hero's journey. And uh, I'm just going to read this quickly. It is, in all great movies and books, there lies a hidden structure to the story. Think about Braveheart, Lord of the Rings, Deadpool, Superman. The hero begins with a calling to step up, to become better, to be more than they currently are, to help others and at the same time help themselves. But then they meet resistance. The people around them don't want them to change or it's too late to repair their mistakes. They meet the devil inside them. They have a breakdown moment. They hit their rock bottom. But then they meet their mentors, fellow heroes who see in them what they were struggling to see in themselves or do by themselves, who give them confidence to keep going. And they get training. They read books, study courses, feed their mind good thoughts, fuel their body with healthy nutrition, overcome their bad habits and build their strength and fitness. They get the professional help they need to turn their life around. They leave behind the old. They step bravely forward. They make progress towards their goals. They feel refreshed and renewed. They live by the super dad oath, onwards and upwards. But then the challenges come up again. Their conviction to change is tested. They are forced to find a new level of strength. They knew that things wouldn't be easy, and this time they are ready. They have their allies in the waiting, super dads who share the same mission, as them to be a better dad, partner, provider, and man. And they go to battle against themselves and the challenges they face. And finally, finally, they get the reward, the transformation. They get the girl, they save the world, the kids chant their name, they become a much-loved superhero. The end for now. <laughs> but, uh, but look, I, I sort of, I, I did actually finish this off. I said, so... And this is what I'm about, you know. This is this is my mission: um, is to provide the mentors for people, um, you know. And now that they have their allies who are also fighting the good fight, which is all of us as dads going through the same struggles, 
Um, you know, the thing I want people to, to promise who are part of our group is that they won't fall silent, they won't give up, they will be, you know, honest with us. And uh, and I know I, I do and I feel like you were speaking to me when you said, you know, there's no need to be 100% honest and, you know, say you, you should share your whole story and everything like that. Yeah, absolutely, I'm an oversharer. I would jump up on stage and tell people about my own drug addictions and my own struggles and their kids driving me absolutely mental and um and you know that's why I guess um it's such a cool thing that I find myself as the leader of this group because uh hopefully I can bring out that honesty and and um and vulnerability in others but for me to expect them to tell the whole story in the same way I'm comfortable you know with uh, that's something I definitely uh, reflect on, uh, you know, in listening to you today. Uh, we're, we're extroverts who can jump on stage and share this stuff. So I guess, you know, you obviously work with people in bringing out their story. How about these introverts, these people that don't have the same confidence that we have? You know, what's what's your message to those guys about telling their story to, to move past stuff and become a better storyteller in their life. Well, that is me. I'm I'm the I'm the introverted extrovert. Mm. Really, like I, I'm not. Okay, yeah, I, I speak for a living on stages <laughs> in front of audiences at conference and events. I get that, and you might think, well, that makes you an extrovert, but but I dread that. I dread it for the hours leading up to it and then I pour over it in my mind for the hours after it. And I would literally flee from a conference room back to a hotel room and sit on my own. You know, I don't I don't love that part. I love being on the stage, but I don't love the part of me that, that doubts, that has self-doubt about myself on the stage. So I, I would think, to answer your question, I'd be speaking to, to me, you know. And, uh, and, and, and it is important that we don't all think that we don't have to share everything about ourselves with everyone because there are some protective factors yeah, that sure. have to be fitted with some people's stories, you know. Some some stuff some stuff should never be told to anybody. Um some in, in some people's heads and lives, right? Um because that's how they protect themselves and that's how they hold their truth and, and, and whatever. I, I understand that. Um and it's not like when I get up in front of a thousand people in a room and tell them all that I'm a uh, that I live with mental illness, and that I have depression, anxiety, and post traumatic stress, and I'm a child abuse sufferer, a victim, and a drug addict. That doesn't just flow off the tongue like it's fucking easy. Yeah. Um, but every time I do that, it gets easier. Yeah. You know, and it, but that's just me, and you're just you, as, as you said. And some people would look at both of us and both of our work and just go, Jesus, I'm never going. I'm never going to do that, and that's fine too. Yep. But the important thing sometimes, the understanding of where your hero, where you are in that hero's journey, we're all somewhere in it. Yep. Um, and, you know, sometimes it's important, as important as deciding who are the allies, who are the other heroes, as you just said. You know, what, what you described when you read that out is Rocky 1 and Rocky 2. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yep. So, Rocky One is this guy who who comes from nothing and, and has this dream of wanting to be better and gets a chance, you know, all the stuff you said. 
and there's there's anti-heroes as part of his allies, his coaching team and his his uh, his girlfriend's brother and, and all that aren't necessarily on his side. Everyone's making it harder for him. The standover man, the con, the con man that he has to do standover work for, he's not on his side. You know, but his girlfriend is. And yeah. she's the one who reinforces to him, you know, you can do this and makes him think you can. He goes on and, and of course, yeah, mm. the rest is history. But so we have to work out who are those people in our life who are the potential anti-heroes. They're not the allies, but they're players in our story, just the same. Yeah. And then who are the, who's the Adrian mm-hmm. <laughs> in our life to our Rocky? You know, like who is, who is the one who actually believes in us and, what I, what I think would be an interesting uh, question for you. Um, how do we change the story that we're telling ourselves to empower ourselves out of our shit to move forward from it? Is there a structure of storytelling, you know, that you teach to other people that perhaps we can ingrain in ourselves and say, okay, well, you know, I'm going to start with, you know, framing the situation and then I'm going to talk about the problem and then, you know, work my way through the solution and how does it finish? What's what's your take on that? All right, so <laughs> first of all, I love that work that you described and, and we've spoken about that offline before. Um, I love the future self stuff, but I'm more interested at the moment in the inner child work that I'm currently doing and that I did in, in rehab especially. Where you know you go back to a point where you and you said I could go with you, so I'm I'm not holding it back. Um, so you do a, a, a meditative exercise where you meet your inner child at a certain age, and everyone meets them at a different age. Whatever age pops up for you is is usually the age where your trauma is just about to happen. And you know through meeting that inner child and through reparenting myself. I'm able to give myself a chance to be a better version of myself as an adult tomorrow. Um, yeah. My only focus in life, my only focus in life in terms of my own development is to be better tomorrow than I was today. That's it. I don't want to be perfect. I don't want to be a great this, great that. I don't want to be, you know, the world's best dad or the world's best writer or anything like that. I just want to be better tomorrow than I was today. And and the great part of that for me is going back to reparent my inner child. Like none of our parents did a perfect job. Mm -hmm. None of them. Yeah. They they weren't necessarily neglectful or or spiteful or hateful or negative in that way. They just they their parents didn't do a perfect job. So they weren't able to do a perfect job. We're not doing a perfect job right now as parents. And our children won't either. Um, everyone's doing their best. Everyone is doing their best at, at every moment in their life. Even if it's not good enough for someone else, it's still their best at that moment given what they have. But we can, as adults, decide to reparent ourselves and fill in the gaps of where our parents neglected us or didn't or weren't perfect. And none of them were, right? Mm-hmm. So I, that's the sort of stuff that I'm working on right now is, is the inner child stuff is really important. And there's heaps of work on it online. You can find heaps of it. But... um. John Bradshaw is, is one author that does a lot of work with it and it's really, really great. But anyway, I got sidetracked. The second thing that you asked about was structure, how to get that storytelling out of us. If you think about every single story you've ever heard or ever consumed in your life, be it movies, books, someone telling you a story in the pub, 
whatever it might be. Yep. It's always comes from a, the same structure. The way it was, the way it changed, the way it is now. Or the way it was, the way we are changing it, and the way it will be in the future, right? There's three acts to every story. Yep. And I sort of drag a little bit further out of that, and I use the same sort of storytelling structure, whether I'm composing you know, a tweet of 280 characters right through to like a full video series for, for a business launch or whatever. Hmm. I think of it in this way. Um, once upon a time, so, you know, the way it was, this is how it's been forever. Once upon a time, dot, dot, dot. And every day, dot, dot, dot. Every day we did this the same. This is how we've done it forever. This is how my life has been forever. This is, you know, once upon a time I was abused as a child and so forever I've hurt other people and used drugs to master addiction whatever. So once upon a time and every day, but one day, dot, dot, dot. So this is how I'm changing now. Love it. And because of that, this is what happens. And then here's the big one. The next line is the same. And because of that, yeah. until everyone lives finally, finally happily ever after, right? So in real time, in a, in a real situation, um, once upon a time, I was, I, I was a victim of sexual abuse as a child. Some someone inside of my family, and it was sustained and and pretty pretty brutal. Um, and so every day, and every day, I have relived that trauma. I have let it define who I am. I have let it make decisions for me. I have made poor decisions because of it. I have used drugs and used other addictive factors to try and mask those feelings as opposed to feeling them. Blah, blah, blah. But one day, I entered rehab. And I started to reconnect with my inner child and reconnect with, you know, who I really am and what I wanted from my life. And I realized that I wasn't what I, what happened to me. I'm what I choose to become. My favorite, um, Carl Jung quote. And then, so the next level of that is, um, after but one day, um, and because of that, I am now able to see my vulnerabilities more. I'm able to see my defects of character as superpowers. I'm able to speak to a wider audience about my truth. Um, I'm able to do all these things, right? And because of that is now the big picture of this, I can be better tomorrow than I was today. I can be a better parent for my children than I ever would have been had I not released some of this trauma. And it's not fixed by any fucking stretch, but it's but I'm better, right? And, and so the big because of that is I am a better version of myself uh, I'm trying to be a better version of myself every day and now I've given myself a chance until finally everyone lives happily ever after. So in terms of structure, that's a very simple pro forma structure that can be, as I said, like a tweet <laughs> right through to a fucking life story um, and it just depends on how you how you apply that. Yes. Is that is that answer your question? That's fantastic and... Uh... Yeah, I think that's going to help me and a lot of people. And that's it's great. It had the inner child. It had the future self. It had, you know, being in the present moment, accepting where we are now. Uh, so incredibly important. So, Nick, mate, thank you very, very, very much for joining us on the Super Dad show today. Uh, I believe that what you've really helped us to see is that we are all super dads because we're not perfect, but we have a growth mindset. We are striving to become better versions of ourselves. 
the story that we are telling ourselves now may be the reason why we're not moving on from some of the stuff in our lives. And so by unpacking storytelling today, I hope that our listeners can really see that by changing the story they're telling themselves, they can change their future. And I think it's also important just to reiterate when, just from an authentic point of view too. When, when yeah, please. When you said to me that you wanted me to be on a podcast about being a super dad, I was very reticent because I don't feel like I am. I don't feel like I'm a super dad. I feel like I'm doing my best. And I feel like that can apply for all of us, really. If I can, if I can be a dad with my superpowers, and if I can concentrate on being better every day than I was the day before, then then I am being a super dad. Yeah, that's right. And I really want you to embody that because you may have just connected with me and with our group, but I really feel like, uh, yeah. Yeah, we're destined to get to know each other a lot better. I look forward to having you up in Brisbane. I don't know about this uh, ocean swim. <laughs> I already bailed on my training yesterday to go water skiing, which is something I do feel confident with. We'll, we'll get there, mate. We'll get there. <laughs> if you're going to literally drag me through mud full of God knows what bacteria and what else, then the least you can do is the ocean swim program. So, yeah, just for our listeners, I told Nick yesterday that if he did Tough Mudder with me and my team, then I would do an ocean swim. Now, I'm not an ocean swimmer, and he's not a Tough Mudder. He's more of a pansy mudder, aren't you, mate? I might might add that that no contracts have been signed on either one. (laughs) Yes. All right. Everyone, thank you for joining us today on the Super Dad Show. We are with Nick Bowditch, Australia's storytelling expert. I hope you got some fantastic stuff out of today. We will see you for the next episode. Please make sure that you listen in for the next episode and make sure you download the Super Dad app at the superdadapp.com.